Today's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN Tan Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center in beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place, and you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgia Radio Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. Cannonball. An old cannonball is going to be passing you like you weren't even there. Anyone can enter and anything goes in a squealing, smashing outlaw race across America. Uh, I want to make a little bet on the Trans-American Grand Prix. Can you handle $20,000? Gentlemen know each other, don't you? Mr. Redman, Mr. Buckman. I believe we run into each other once or twice. It's a cross-country demolition derby. I mean to win this one. And if you so much as come within 100 miles of me, you're going to wind up in my tire tracks right up your... The winner gets 100,000. The losers keep what's left of their cars. Nice, huh? Get me the highway patrol. We're trying to get a word here with Brad Phillips, organizer of the race. Brad, tell me, your race has been called an outlaw sporting event. Do you have any comment on that? Well, the police and safety officials around the country get upset because our drivers tend to exceed the speed limits. One speeding ticket and you're back in prison. Oh, God, there's trouble. It's a freeway free-for-all that hits with the impact of a head-on collision. This car could beat anything on the road. This car, the winner. Cannonball. Tonight on Nostalgic Cars and Radios, it's... No, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker from Counting Cars out here in Las Vegas, and I love listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you better listen to them, too. Okay, listeners, welcome. Wait a minute, wait a let me try that one more time. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're t- <laughs> hey, this live radio, what the heck. Anyway, welcome, listeners. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google Tantalk1340.com. And as you can see us live here in the studios, don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, go to the archive page located on our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. 
and the archive page is called Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Or you can just Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Right, Bobby? That'd be uh, one way. That'd be one way. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and take care of the social media honors while I'm trying to regroup here. Yes, that'd be a good thing. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, at NRC on Air, and at Gulfstream Motorsports for the Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, boy, we had a pretty exciting weekend. We have a guest with us here tonight. Yeah, I just stopped in. They put a microphone in front of me, and here we go. And here we go. And this is Alan. He's uh, kind of a reoccurring phenomenon that wanders into the radio studio here once in a while. He's also a Ford car expert, and he helps me keep Miss Moneypenny alive. Of course, this weekend, there wasn't anything he could do because there's nothing Alan can do about a flat tire. But anyway, so Alan, how are you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, I just stopped by to see what's going on. I got done working on a friend's car. Yeah, tell us about that car. Since tonight, okay. we're actually going to be talking a little bit about movie cars. Now, if you caught the first segment, we played a little theme. But I'll tell you, I'll highlight it a little bit later because we have a special guest coming out. But go ahead and tell us about your movie car okay. you've been working on. Well, a friend of mine's got this old car, and it's this ugly old Peugeot 403 convertible. It's gray. It's all dented up and stuff. And it's a car from, what is that? The Columbo. TV show. Yeah, Colombo. Yeah. yeah. And so tonight, I was, or today, whatever, I put the Solex carburetor on it, which is Solex work- as in one, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it sort of works, but not quite yet. So we let the car run for a while, and the engine got hot, and it started running better. It still got a vacuum leak that chased down and everything. And it's a very obvious car. And it's the original one that they, Peter Falk chose for the TV series. They were wandering the back lot of Paramount, or Universal, excuse me, uh-huh. Universal. And anyway, so my friends got a hold of it. They bought it because they like Columbo. And uh, now the Peugeot 304, right? Or is it 403? 403. It's 403. Okay, this is basically, they came in three versions. Actually, there was a two-door coupe, which is very rare, a convertible, which is also very, very rare, and, rare, a, rare, and a four-door. Four-door with Phil Hill in the ad in a yellow car, four-door, standing out of the sunroof. Yes. Now, what year is this car? 5960. Okay, good. So that's the rounded body style, and right. 403, and then after that, they followed out with the square, square-looking 404, and then the 504, which... Somehow managed to make it yeah. to the American shores, yeah. but so anyway, so this is the original car used in the TV show. The yeah, Peter Columbo. Fo- that Columbo. Yeah, it's that, got the paperwork and everything with yeah, it. Yeah, I saw yeah. all that stuff. It's got and the original that, tag number yeah. and you know, it's license plate, the whole bit. Yeah, it, has, it was titled to Universal Studios. Right, and it still has the dents in it. Yeah, how did the dents get in there? You remember? Was that okay. one of the episodes? Well, actually, what happened was during the TV series, the car had two mirrors on the fenders, and it got actually had a crash with a. Uh, George Hamilton driving a Mercedes and some other thing where a police car ran into it and stuff like that. But anyway, then they... So it was used for other TV shows and other no, movies? No, no, no. It was just mo- used for Columbo. Okay. Then it went, it got sold, right? And my friends bought it. And then about 10 years later, they wanted to do Movie of the Week, which is an hour and a half bit. So they're looking for the car. And they found it. You know, they're talking to... Actually, Mason Dixon said, hey, they're looking for the Columbo car. Anybody and, know about it? Yeah, and... He of course, he knew, to... he knew Jim had it, right? He saw him at a car show, whatever. Okay. And so, anyway, um, so he got a hold of uh, Universal, and they shipped the car over there, and but they redid it. They restored it. How can you restore that? But it's all it got different dents in it now, and it's still... So it doesn't have the original TV dents in it? No, it's got the TV movie dents in it. Oh, the they TV movie. The oh. second time they did Columbo. Oh, okay. And um, so it's been sitting forever. It's got Michelin <laughs> tires on it. So, hey, nice tires. French tires, French car. Yeah. But German carburetor, Solax. Yeah. That's the only reason it's going to run. You know that. No, that's the only reason it's not going to run. <laughs> well, did the French ever come up with the carburetor? I mean, we had, Italians had Weber's and Delordo's. What did the French yeah. have? Bridget Bardot. Bridget, Bridget Bardot. Yeah, yeah. And the Eiffel Tower. Actually, you know what? French <laughs> two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> hey, I've, I've met some pretty smart hammers in my day. But anyway, I like that. that's good. Boy, Lou, Lou Angel Wolf and uh, and Mr. Del, what's his name? Uh, Del Toro. Yeah. Del Toro. They don't have anything on us, do it. I hope you're listening, Tim. Big <laughs> yeah. shout out to Tim's performance up there. Yeah. Is it Tim Del Toro? Yeah. We and, uh, and Del Ordo. Del Ordo. Del Del Carburetor friend. Yeah, carburetor friend. You stop by more often. This is kind of fun now. <laughs> okay. So anyway, now, uh, so, okay, so you, that's the actual TV slash movie car. Yeah. And it, what, they only had the one, right? Unlike- no, they had, they had two stunt cars. Okay. Because the Peugeot Museum owns one of them. Oh, you really? Can, you can Google it. It's on the computer or on a picture. Okay. That's my technical expertise on that. Okay. And um, But he's got the original one because it's got the fittings for the tow bar when they did the camera shots of him in the car when they towed the car. Oh, you know, wow. Good that's shots. cool. But the other car... He's got the 
square tubing where the camera slides in, where the guy sits on the camera, sits on the, uh, it's, I'll start this over again. Go ahead. Start edit, this okay, on, time. Yeah. edit this on the edit, podcast. Hey, edit. Okay, yeah. cut. Anyway, take two. It's got the square tubing that the cameraman, they have a bracket uh, assembly for the cameraman. He slides in. It's in the front of the car. Right. So you can hold the camera on the while driver. they're driving. Right. And so if he falls off, he gets run over. It's funny you mentioned that because back in those days, as antiquated as things were, they actually did. So they had a bar and a seat uh-huh. and he handheld a the camera. camera. Wasn't. Right. You know, unfortunately, it had, what do they call those things? Stabilizers in the camera? Oh, gyros. Yes. They didn't have oh, gyros. gyros. <laughs> they had them in the Apollo, you know, but they didn't have them in the... Oh, they didn't have oh, yeah, gyros, gyros or our stabilizers. Yeah. Look at me and my iPhone brain. <laughs> yeah, your iPhone brain. But, uh, well, that's interesting. Well, good. I'm glad you stopped by and told us that. So uh, when you get it, when you, when you actually get it running, we need to bring it to one of these car shows. In fact, this weekend is the first annual Speed Culture Best of the Bay car show at Goobers and Lubers. Oops, did I say that? Uh, Quaker Steak and Lube down there off of uh, 49th Street. So that's this coming Saturday between, uh, what is it, 4 and 9 p.m. So be sure and check us out. Check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. I think we got something on there regarding it. It's on our events page. But also check out Speed Culture. The automotive app tells you where all the car shows are, right? Okay, there's a shameless plug for Ice Ice Jeffy. Now back to the Peugeot. Yeah, okay, the Peugeot. I got, almost got it running good. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. And if you read the Hot Rod magazines, everything's good. So um, that's why I talk like I do. Oh, okay. I'm reading too many car mag- Didn't read the, enough road and tracks to re- read too much hot rod. Right. And so anyway, next. And of course, you want to correct me from last week. Was it last week we talked about the Lamborghini? You know that. Uh, uh, no, no, it, I don't have to correct you because you already know. I already know. I was wrong. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. Lamborghini didn't officially make any race cars. And Bob and Wallace said, didn't. Yeah. He drive, didn't officially test no, drive. But any, he he but test he, drove every 350 GT that was built. He took it out in the Autostrada. That's exactly it. right. And all yeah. the early cars. Now, what are we ready for a commercial here, Bobby? Let us listen to a Sammy Hagar song we discussed. Today. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. I can't drive 45. I'm in a pig out. That's the world's <laughs> slowest. The Peugeot is the world's slowest Hemi. Anyway, hey, you're tuning in to Soundtrack Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with more fun and laughter. Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. 
Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN 10 Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center and beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place. And you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgia Radio and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Okay, we're back. You tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Now, Alan, what you didn't do with us this weekend, though, is we were actually, we took Miss Moneypenny up to uh, the British Car Show up at the plantation in Crystal River, but just to be on the safe side. Just under, be... under her own power? Well, no. Uh, well, she was under That's her own power. That's what we were getting at. That's, she was <laughs> under her own power when she got in the back of the truck. Then we drove her all the way up to Crystal River. Then under her own power, she got off the back of the truck. We drove her into the car show. Beautiful setting up the plantation on the back uh, it's called the Back 40 there. It's actually like a little peninsula. It looked almost like a miniature version of Florida, but it's surrounded by water on all three sides. It's kind of pretty cool. So there we were. Miss Moneypenny was in the midst of all those uh, MGs. It's funny because the guy goes, well, if you got an MG, you're welcome to bring your car in the show field. If you got anything other than an MG, like let's say some poor guy. A DB4? A DB4, yeah, an Aston Martin or a Jag or, you know, a Daimler or something like that. Yeah, you, you're going to have to park yeah. outside in the parking lot. I got a 220, know. I can't bring it in. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a DP, an SP250, you know, or something <laughs> like that. So at any rate... <laughs> I know. But that's nobody, a Hemi. Nobody gets right. Nobody knows <laughs> no what we're talking about. about. You're right. Okay. So that's I, a better, a faster Hemi than the Peugeot. <laughs> yeah, faster than the Peugeot. But anyway, so, uh, but that was a lot of fun. And then we drove her around and we went down this one little stretch, which is off US 19 out to uh, a place called Ozello. And they call it the Tail of the Alligator. Okay. Because it's a really windy curve. You heard of the Tail of the Dragon, which is up North Carolina, which is that windy little road that everybody. Oh, never heard of that. You never heard of that? Okay. Of course I have. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this one they call affectionately, they refer to it as the. Uh, Tale of the Alligator. Now, if you go to our Facebook page, Nostalgic Radio Cars, there's pictures up there, so you can see all that stuff. And then on Sunday, what we did is we went over to Orlando because they had the annual tow show at the Hilton. Now, that was kind of interesting for us because Bobby and I haven't been there in a long time. In fact, uh, the first time I took Bobby out there was 1999. He was just barely two years old. And I set him up on an F650. It's a funny story. So he gets in there, and he's sitting in there all by himself, a little lonesome. And he actually hits the door lock buttons because Bobby loved pushing buttons. That was his thing. You know, he liked to turn the light switches on and all this kind of stuff. Well, I'm over there going, Bobby, push the button down. Push the button, the lock Don't button. Make me come up. I'm sorry. I got to call you back. And the guys that uh, at the Jardin booth were freaking out, looking for a spare set of keys because they're thinking, oh, my God, this kid's locked inside. He's going to suffocate. He's going to die. You know, and I'm not frantic because I know Bobby loves to push buttons. Eventually, after about three or four minutes, he finally hit the right button and got the door open. Meanwhile, these guys are scrambling for a spare set of keys to get in the truck, right? So here it is. It's uh, almost uh, 17 years later, and we were over there, and Bobby's still pushing buttons. And he got and, locked in the truck again. No, he didn't get locked in the truck. But <laughs> Do we have to provide people with all these details? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, turn into Don Ivis in the morning, right between 6 and 9 p.m. 6 and 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Shameless plug. But anyway, so, uh, but Dan's a pretty nice rollback. That new F550, the 2017 F550, Jared, and what a beautiful truck. And they had both our colors, the gray and the uh, and the metallic red. So, pretty nice stuff. But anyway, so the British car thing was pretty cool, and you should have been there. And uh, this weekend, here's what's going on this weekend Speed Culture, Best of the Bay Car Show at Goobers and Lubers or Quaker Steak. No, it's really called Goobers and Lubers. But we affectionately call it well, we'll steak, see, steak, see, a Quaker Steak and Lube. It costs something to get a proper plug, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's exactly true. So we, we make fun of it. And then Especially plus, if it's grounded. Yeah, that's right. If it's grounded. And the Tampa Bay British Car Club is having their little annual picnic at Philippi Park. And Vortex Performance is having their car show 
this Saturday morning as well. So we're going to Vortex, Tampa Bay British, and then we're going to end up at Speed Culture at Goobers and Lubers. So that's what's going on this weekend, Alan. So if you want to show up with the Peugeot, the Puget. Pig out. The Puget. The Peugeot. Uh, you know, Peugeot made bicycles too, right? Yeah. And, what and else little moped things. And moped things. You know, yeah. Scooters, I think they call them. Yeah, I think they had more horsepower than the 403s. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, But anyway, so Bob, I think we got... Uh, Got to queue up for something here in a minute, right? I'm looking at my timetable. So anyway, hey, yeah, you're tuning into Nostalgic Good and Cars. Don't touch that dial. Alan's going to stick around for a minute or two. And we'll and, be right back. And we'll be right back. And uh, we got uh, a little music for you. Here's a hint as to what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. He's bounding down, loading up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like a bandit run. Legends never die. They just lose weight. Like a legend and an out-of-work bum look a lot alike, Daddy. <laughs> Bandit, me and my son are here. <laughs> oh, I love your suits. They must be a bitch getting a size 68 extra fat and a 12 dwarf. I came to make a deal. Uh, what's he get if he wins this truck Rodeo thing? Yeah. $5,000, Daddy. Chicken sh- money. It's what the hell you want, anyway. You to get out of this dumbass rodeo and accept a real challenge. Now give the Texarkana and back in 28 hours. That's no problem. It ain't never been done before, hot. Watch your language, little lady. The problem is that Coors Beer, you take that east of Texas and that's, uh, that's bootlegging. You know, I believe you're just a little bit scared. That's great psychology. Why don't you just say something bad about my mother? Your mama is so uh, look, ugly. Look, you make this run for me. Now, these Peterbilts here are worth $80,000. That comes to about three grand an hour if you make it 28 hours. How about that for a challenge? Dad, I don't believe that that's necessary. Never mind. Wait a minute. Son. Wait a minute. Why do you want that beer so bad? Because he's thirsty, dummy. You see, I got a boy running tomorrow in the Southern Classic, and uh, when he wins, I want to celebrate in style. How much style? Well, I got a few friends and me, uh, 400 cases. Well? Well, let me see your cash. Big Enos's word is gold. All right, show him the cash. Go ahead, little. Well, I see there's uh, 400 cases of beer. I'll need the cash for that. No problem. Go ahead, boy. New car. I got to have a new car to block for the truck, you know? Okay, go ahead, boy. I'd like to kick his ass just once. Speedy car. Speedier than that. Go ahead. Pursuit of a black trans am. He's all mine. 
so stay out of the way. Hey, that was Dennis Cage from Mike, and that's Stacey David, just, you know, just like, 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 Dennis, Sonic, hurry, would you Sonic, hurry, Dennis? Sonic bombing this, 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 this. I'm Dennis Cage from Mike, Classic Art, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. No, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio that's and Cars. That's what I said. Yes. That's, I said Nostalgic Radio Nostalgic Radio, ra- you that's know. Stacey, I, you know, I don't know what's good. You can dress him up, but you can't take him out, you know what I mean? Why not, man? You're paying this time. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and that was uh, a little promo from my two good friends and buddies, Stacy David from Gears TV and Dennis Gage from My Classic Car. What do you think of that, Alan? Well, there you go. There you go. Okay. Yeah. When you have anything to say, there you go always fills in and makes noise on the air. Okay, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that little skit there from uh, Smokey and the Bandit. And let's see, the first show, or the first little skit we did was our movie trailer, was from the movie, 1976 movie Cannonball with David Carradine. Now, in both movies, they drove Trans Am. So guess what our topic's going to be about tonight? Trans Am. Pontiacs. <laughs> anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a writer for Smoke Signals and Poncho Perfection, both Pontiac-oriented publications. He's also an author and a writer on his own right and a historian on 70s Pontiac performance cars. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Scott Shields. Scott, are you there? Yes, I am, Robert, and thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, who Scott Scheel is, and then we'll segue into Pontiacs. Oh, gosh. Well, the, the, ask anybody who's known me for more than about five minutes, and, and the, the name itself is, is synonymous with Pontiac Nut. Uh, just grew up in a Pontiac family and, and uh, vividly remember uh, being a very young person when my grandparents brought a Regatta Blue 74 Grand Prix home from the dealership. And, and my grandmother will tell you that uh, her three-year-old grandson riding shotgun in that, in that car as we were driving past the Pontiac dealership, pointed up at the sign and said, look, Grandma, that's the same emblem that's on your car, and I pointed to the steering wheel. So I, I think I can claim truly to be a cradle Pontiac nut. So Wow. Now, was this uh, what state was this? Are you from, uh, let me guess, you're from Michigan? I know you're in, L- no. in Indiana right now, so are you in... I, I, I consider Indiana home, but uh, but thanks to different jobs and, and uh, you know, other other you know personal life changes and so forth and so on. I've lived everywhere. I people ask me if I was in the military when I tell them I went to four high schools in three states. But such is the uh, such is the life. Uh, you know when your dad works for a mega corporation. So you know okay. wherever the job is, you know we would pick, pack up and go. So met a lot of neat people in a lot of different parts of the country and the world, and and uh, just uh, you know I've always managed to find car people to talk to, uh, and uh, I I had the. Uh, the first car I ever bought was a fairly rusty 77 Trans Am with the uh, W72-400 power plant and a four-speed. And uh, so in high school, when I rolled in in that, even though even though it was, uh, you know, dark metallic brown, Brentwood brown was the shade Pontiac called it, but uh, it was it was pretty used up by the 80s when I bought it secondhand, but uh, still managed to make some friends pretty quickly uh, when I rolled in in that. So it was, uh, it was, it was good time. Cars, cars have always kind of been a a key thing for me personally and socially. So, interesting. Okay, so was that an automatic or four-speed car? No, it was a four-speed. It was a four-speed. Warner Super T10, which uh, expired right at 150,000 miles. We replaced that with a with a Nash five-speed. Oh, okay. Now I haven't managed to kill yet, fortunately. Since it was rusty, am I correct in assuming it's somewhere along the rust belt up there, northern northeast United States? Yeah, it was infected. The northeastern United States is kind of what did it. It uh, was bought new in a little town called Detour, Maryland, by a dairy farmer uh, who was 16 years old when he special ordered it brand new. And he uh, he became engaged in 1983 and decided that, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, he had a baby on the way in 1983 and decided that the Trans Am wasn't a good family car. He traded it for a, I uh, hope you're sitting down, a brand new Dodge Omni. Whoa! Lots of doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even wait it a couple of years for a Shelby GLH. But uh, anyway, he, uh, I did talk to him, and he did say he regretted doing that. But uh, that was that worked out well for me. The uh, second owner um, was actually a lady owner. She saw the car sitting on the used car lot at the dealership and went into it. She was a real motorhead and went in to inquire about it, and the salesman uh 
who sold it to her, they launched a romance and, and wound up getting married. They moved to suburban Chicago, where I was living at the time, and I spotted the car at 14 years old and went over one day to talk to him about it the first time I saw him outside. And he said, yeah, it's getting old and it needs some things done to it. And I'm thinking about selling it. I said, how much? He said, yeah, I'll probably ask 1500 for it. And with as much conviction as I could muster at 14 years old, I said, don't sell this car to anyone but me. And two years later, after mowing grass and waxing cars and doing anything for a buck, I showed up with cash and the car still sits in my garage to this day. Well, good for you. Good for you. I have some fenders for that, just in case you need some unrusty fenders. I just want to let you oh, know. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, being in Florida, yeah, I'll bet you do. So, uh, yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to uh, how about if I come down in January? You know, nice time of year to come to come to Florida. Probably. Yes, yes. And there's a lot of car shows going on here that time of year. In fact, if you came down in the fall, you could come to the National Parts Depot. Let's see. It's a, the all all GM show they have in, I think it's in October. So oh, okay. you got okay. you got snow up there, too. Now, Let's segue into smoke signals. How'd, uh, how'd, how'd your uh, your venture into smoke signals come about? Well, as a as a Pontiac nut, I always go to, you're talking about Pontiac shows and events. Um, I, I, guess, I guess I should do a kind of a shameless plug for all the great Pontiac events that happen regionally and nationally. Uh, 25 years ago, it used to be there were, you know, there were maybe one fairly large Pontiac gathering uh, each month, and now uh, Pontiac enthusiasts kind of have a have the nice problem of having lots of different events, uh, you know, from which they can choose. And so, just I would go very active in the Pontiac clubs and hobby, and we would caravan to various shows. And I got to know Don Keith uh, pretty well, uh, who at that time was the editor of the Smoke Signals magazine, which is the club newsletter for the Pontiac Oakland Club International. And uh, also worked with uh, Christopher Phillip and uh, Tom DeMauro, who were who both of whom were uh, uh, putting out uh, High Performance Pontiac, which is unfortunately now defunct. And these guys would, you know, these, I, I met Tom DeMauro. He chose my Trans Am, actually, at the Trans Am Nationals in 2000, I want to say, nine, no, not, no, I'm sorry, I'm spacing out on the air here. Uh, anyway, one year at Transam Nationals, he chose my my car as uh, the uh, HPP editor's choice, which just blew me away. Uh, 2000 was when that was, and uh, and that got me a feature in the magazine, and that started that relationship. And a few years later, they just we just kept bumping into each other at shows, and they figured out I could put a grammatically correct sentence together, and they asked me if I would write a little something about you know about detailing your Pontiac for show. And they liked what I sent, and that kind of launched my my, uh, my 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 automotive writing career for Pontiac Publications. And then uh, and then Don Keith when HPP High Performance Pontiac was uh, was canceled. Uh, Don Keith asked me if I would come over and write for Smoke Signals. He had several of us uh, who wrote for HPP to come over to Smoke Signals, and I continued writing and um, and continued to do that to this day, uh, which which has has been wonderful. I really enjoy it. Now, Pontiac Oakland Club International is. Would I be correct in assuming that it's all Pontiacs inclusive, or is it just a specific, uh, let's say, era of cars? You know, sixties, seventies, eighties, or how does it work with your guys? Well, certainly the the muscle car area, the muscle car era is is Pontiacs. You know, where where the most of the popularity lies, but certainly any Pontiac automobile uh, produced between. 1926, and when Pontiac was canceled in in 2010, uh, is certainly eligible to join. But also Pontiac's predecessor, uh, Oakland. Uh, for those who who don't know the history, uh, Pontiac was actually a an Oakland model, and wound up outselling and overshadowing the parent company, and and which resulted, you know, ultimately in the cancellation of the Oakland brand uh, early in the Great Depression. So that's that's you know where the Pontiac Oakland thing comes here. So any Oakland vehicle, any Pontiac vehicle, and then in the uh, in the 90s when Pontiac and GMC were, were merged by General Motors, uh, General Motors uh, made the suggestion that we include GMC vehicles. So actually, you know, GMC, all, all GMC vehicles are welcome uh, in the club as well. So the, I'm going to say, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but the demise of Pontiac in 2010 how did it affect all the Pontiac enthusiasts? And did did GM really make the right decision there? I mean, we can go into this for a few minutes, but I just want to hear your side of it, being a Pontiac guy. Well, 
Uh, I'll tell you something, you know, people, I, I actually get that question pretty, pretty regularly. You, you meet somebody for the first time and, and tell them, you know, you know, oh, well, you're into cars, you know, what cars are you into, Pontiac? Oh, well, you know, well, what are you doing now? They're not making them anymore. Well, I just tell them I keep the old ones running. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, for, for, you know, for us diehard Pontiac nuts, uh, you know, April 27, 2009, uh, you know, I remember sitting in front of the TV with my jaw just hanging open. I just, you know, I'd heard the rumors that it was coming, and when Fritz when Fritz Henderson officially announced it, um, you know, it's 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 like you know, it's like having your dog dying. I mean, you just you know, something that's been that much a part of your life. Like I said, for me since the cradle, and you know, suddenly it's just gone with a stroke of a pen. Um, you know, it was uh, you know, it was hard. It's funny people are are notoriously passionate, uh, and, and, you know, fiercely loyal to the brand. And so, uh, so yeah, you know, it's, you, you can ask any Pontiac person, you know, where were you when JFK was shot? Where were you when the shuttle exploded? Where were you when the twin towers came down and where were you when Pontiac was canceled? I mean, it's, you know, that, that April day in 09, uh, you know, is, is one of those things where I just, you know, remember how I, how I felt sitting there watching that on, you know, on cable news. So, let me ask you the question, and, and let's see if you get this one a lot. My complaint, because me being a Ford guy, you know, we went through the same sorrow when Ford discontinued Mercury. And there's a lot of us, which I was originally a Cougar guy before I was a Mustang guy. And um, so, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I think the problem is, is the bean counters and the guys that are in charge of these corporations aren't necessarily car guys. So they don't really have a clue. Now, where I have an issue with GMC as, a, as a, an example and Chevrolet truck is there's really no distinguishing difference. They're the same vehicle, short of the fact that back in the 60s, 50s, you know, um, and I know in the 50s they did, they, they, the GMC trucks used Pontiac engines. A lot of people yes, don't know did. that. And mm-hmm. uh, so to me, there was a lot of overlap. In, and, and the thing is, is a Chevrolet and a GMC truck share the same car. I mean, body, almost the same sheet metal is almost identical. Now, when you're talking about the cars, for example, and Pontiac, and I'll just joke here a little bit, the wide track people, you know, they basically, and I and keep in mind, I come from the salvage yard business, so being a parts junkie, I kind of know what fits and what doesn't. There was a lot of overlap in those cars, and not so much during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there was, but not to the extent that there was, let's say, in the 80s and 90s to the point where you made the same ugly car Chevrolet and you made the same ugly car Buick and you made the same, you know, not so ugly car Pontiac, you know, because Pontiac actually was kind of a classy looking car. But let's just say, you know, um, I mean, a car, here's the car that brought Pontiac down, the Aztec. Okay. (laughs) Now, Alan's sitting there with me. Alan's a car guy. So say hi to Alan. Alan, say hi to Scott. Hi, how you doing? So we, we joke about that, okay? But, you know, when they came out with Illumina, the Illumina wagon back in the day, and then Chevrolet had their, the, uh, Oldsmobile had the silhouette, Pontiac had, I forget what theirs was called. Montana or something? Transport was the Pontiac Transport. version. Okay, yeah. The, See, the Dustbuster vans. <laughs> Dustbuster vans. That's, that's, where, that's what they're nicknamed in the, in the, in the hobby. They call those, those, uh, those, those, those really angular, those funky angled vans at GM. Those are the Dustbuster vans. Yeah. Well, at any rate, but the point is, is that what I think they should have done is since Pontiac was kind of performance-oriented and Chevrolet was kind of performance-oriented, Buick really was. A Buick was a little bit more of a luxury car. So what they should have done is to say, rather than have same the same two models that share the chassis and then just throw a little different sheet metal and a few different body panels on it, they should have, let's say, kept the Pontiac Grand Prix and maybe the Pontiac Trans Am or Firebird and then maybe discontinued the comparable car, the counterpart to that car, via Buick or via Chevrolet or something like that. You know, so I, I'm thinking that if they, if they didn't want to have 20 cars, that look, I'll use a good example. Ford has a Ford Explorer, and then Mercury comes out with a, a Mountaineer. Really, you need a Mountaineer, you know? I mean, for a few dollars more, it's the same vehicle. I could understand maybe an Explorer and a Navigator. But, you know, when you start, and this is where, where I took issue with a lot of the guys, because I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, you guys aren't really thinking about this. you got these redundant body styles, these redundant cars out there, and nobody's buying them. Competing and then, against each other. Competing against each other. And basically, you penalize the brand. You penalized, penalized Mercury, and you penalized Pontiac. Same thing with Plymouth, you know. So I think Plymouth, Mercury, and Pontiac are victim of corporate automotive know-nothings more than anything else. What's your take on it? 
Well, I, I agree. There's you know there's so much to it. Um, you know, not to not to turn this into a into a political talk show, but you know, the, the, <laughs> you, have, you have all the talk about well, this is, you know, the government certainly intervened. Look at the bailout, yeah. and and you know, a, a part of the a, a condition of GM getting the money from the government was you have too many brands. You're you know you're just you're spread too thin. You need to pare this down. And, you know, I can tie all this all into to your comment about GMC and Chevrolet being the same. Yes, you can you can pretty much pull a fender off of any GMC truck and bolt it right on a Chevrolet going back 40 years, uh, 50 years. Um, but, you know, you know that and I know that as car people. But the general public uh, perceives GMC uh as a luxury truck chevrolet is the is the you know the inexpensive cheap work a day rubber floor mat you know work truck and but gmc just has that little bit of extra gingerbread on it and that little bit of extra flair to it and yeah you know it's it's functionally identical to the chevrolet but the you know the the price the sticker price is about $300 above the Chevy, and people happily pay it because they perceive that they're getting more truck for for the, the little bit of extra money than they do over a Chevrolet. And that's how GM convinced the government to allow them to keep GMC because, believe it or not, GMC is General Motors' most profitable division. No kidding. Did not know that. Yeah, it's that's that's how GM because the government the government wanted GM to go down to two. They wanted Chevrolet and Cadillac. Okay, you've got an entry level, you've got a luxury brand. That's all you need. You know, Toyota has Toyota and Lexus. Honda has Honda and, and Acura. You can have Chevrolet and Cadillac, and you can compete with everybody else. Well, you know, they spread the numbers out and they said, hey, you know. This is, you know, the GMCs are selling well, and it's really profitable for us. And if you want us to pay you back, you know, we need to make money. So why would you kill our most profitable brand? And, you know, even even government officials, you know, couldn't really argue much with that. And, you know, of course, they tried to buy, they tried to sell Saturn. Uh, Penske, I think, was buying for Saturn, and they couldn't put that together. Uh, they sold, they you know, they sold Saab initially. Hummer kind of died, you know, died an unceremonial death. <laughs> and that left Buick in Pontiac, and uh, you know it's it's pretty widely known that the thing that saved Buick was China. Uh, in China, a Buick ha- is the most prestigious automotive brand there is, even above BMW and Mercedes. Wow! And the reason for that is it goes back to World War II when when China was you know was an ally. Um, the Chinese uh, military brass observed U.S. military brass generals and such riding around in in Buick staff cars, and they thought, okay, if Buick is the is the the brand of choice for you know MacArthur and and Patton and Eisenhower and these guys, these brilliant you know these brilliant strategists and these brilliant soldiers, then this must be this must be it. This must be the best of the best of the best, and so. You know, the emperor got a Buick, and then you know he gave a Buick to his generals, and and that just became the car du jour for you know for the cream of the crop in 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 China, and that has stuck from World War II up till this you know up till this day. Wow, did and, not know that. Yeah, with China emerging as as you know the world's largest car market, um, you know, the, my question you know was okay. Pontiacs outsell Buicks three to one in the U.S., and you're you know you're bringing Opals over here and, and sticking Buick badges on them anyway. Why can't you sell the the Opal as an Opal in Germany, a Pontiac in the U.S., and a Buick in China? But uh, you know I, I that uh, that didn't work. They uh, kept Buick here and they kept it there, and here we are. <laughs> you know it's funny you mentioned that too because if you look at the VIN numbers, and I don't want to get into uh, uh, Don Keith's Poncho project uh, Poncho perfection here in a minute, but let's just go to the VIN numbers. If you look at this VIN number, the first number on a Chevrolet is one because it's the number one mm-hmm. selling GM car. Mm-hmm. The first number on a Pontiac is number two because Pontiac mm-hmm. is number two. And right. Buick is number three. Oldsmobile was number four. And Cadillac was number five. Am I correct on that? That's, yeah, I, I, I'm sure about the one and two. And I, I that sounds right on the other. Okay. Yeah, see, so, and a lot of people don't know that, but those of us in the Boneyard business, since we had to break down VIN numbers. So yep. at any rate, all right, let's talk about uh, Poncho Perfection a little bit. Well, as 
you know, POCI is a club, and as as a car club, you know, it has its its officers and its elections, and and uh, Don Don just when Pontiac died, you know, the, the the next the first question all of us in the hobby kind of asked was, okay, we're we're now we're now enthusiasts to an orphan brand, so what happens next? You know, what do we do to keep the hobby? You know, at least at least maintain the hobby, if not grow it, and and you know, and keep it you know keep it going, and 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 draw in you know the next generation. And uh, interestingly, Don, as the editor of Smoke Signals, uh, really really took that project pretty seriously, and took that took that question seriously, and did some you know did some pretty major homework and did some research. And one of the things that that came up that that really uh, was was really encouraging to us is Studebaker. Uh, the Studebaker hobby is is thriving and and really you know hanging in there. And you still see Studebakers at shows, and and you talk to people, and they're very knowledgeable and and very friendly. And and I I really enjoy talking to Studebaker people. Of course, being an Indiana resident, you know that's kind of a home home team for us anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you still see them out there, even though Studebakers have been gone since the mid sixties. And so, um, so Don contacted the Studebaker clubs. Okay. What have you been doing? You know, what do you do and all that? And, you know, he, he really, he went to the board of POCI with a lot of ideas and asked for some money to do some promotions and really try to drive membership and grow. And he expanded the magazine and sold more advertising for Smoke Signals, even though it was a club publication, and really brought Smoke Signals up to where it was, it would really rival a commercial publication. And, and that worked great because with High Performance Pontiac gone, Smoke Signals was it. And, but, uh, you know, but clubs being the organizations there are, there, you know, there were people that didn't agree with that approach. And the board, held a meeting and made the decision to, to, you know, discontinue a lot of the stuff that Don got going. And, uh, they voted, a, another, another editor in a gentleman named Tim Dye, who is also as, as much a Pontiac nut as, as anybody I've ever met. Um, you, you, little side note, Tim had so much Pontiac memorabilia and cars and parts and, and really rare stuff that uh, he stopped in a, in the town of Pontiac, Illinois, just kind of out of curiosity, and wound up bumping into the right people. And he said, well, I've got, you know, 15 pole barns, whatever it was, full of all this Pontiac stuff, and, and uh, you know, I'd like to open a museum someday. They gave him a building, and the Pontiac Oakland Automo- Automobile Museum is now open and thriving for six years plus in the little town of Pontiac, Illinois, right on Route 66. So, so Tim, uh, Tim hit it out of the ballpark on that one, and uh, it's a neat place. Uh, whether you're into Pontiacs or not, if you're just doing 66, um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly worth a stop and he gets all, he gets international visitors almost daily. So it's, it's worked well for him. Um, and Don had sort of been playing with the idea of starting his own commercial Pontiac publication. And with Tim taking over smoke signals, that was the impetus Don used to, to launch Poncho Perfection, which he was initially planned to just launch as an online magazine only. And uh, to much to our surprise, um, there was still a very significant uh, desire on the part of subscribers for a printed copy. And, you know, it's give the people what they want. So uh, Don spent the money, and it's full-color, heavy-stock, glossy paper, uh, you know, nice thick book, and with, you know, with good photography and, and good stories, and and really instead of just doing kind of the same features of the same Concours restored, uh, you know, GTOs and Firebirds, Don really gave, gave all of us who contribute the latitude to, you know, write about kind of anything in the Pontiac hobby. And so, you know, whereas the club publication, Smoke Signals, you know, still covers the you know the the high dollar restored cars and the antique cars and and you know the the, the vehicles you see at the shows. Um, Don's gotten more into the racing and the and the you know the the history of Pontiac's involvement in racing and engine development and all of that, while still featuring you know a lot of the cars that you know that that run these engines and feature this engineering. So. Um, so really, the two publications complement each other beautifully, and and I, I've got a 
I've got to say now, like I said, I, I do contribute to both magazines, so forgive me if this sounds a little self-congratulatory, but, you know, the leadership of both of these men, um, you know, in the quality of the publications that, that they're each producing uh, really serves the Pontiac hobby beautifully, I think, and it's, it's neat to be a part of it. Very good, very good. Let me ask you this, then, uh, and then you have the PHS Society, and we got, we only have a couple minutes left, but uh, real quickly, when is the National Pontiac like convention, when do you have your convention? Is that, what time of year is that? The POCI convention generally happens mid-July each year, and it moves depending on which chapter hosts it. So this year it'll be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, don't have the dates right in front of me, but um, but that's that's the POCI club event. Uh, but I would encourage anybody interested at all in seeing you know seeing the most beautiful Pontiacs in the country, uh, you know look up Google any Pontiac event you know Pontiac car show in your area. Um, the the big ones uh, you know the, the big one the, the POCI convention. Uh, if you're into really into drag racing, the Pontiac uh, Nationals in Norwalk, Ohio. Uh, is the big drag racing event. Uh, Indian Uprising in suburban Chicago is a really neat show. Uh, Trans Am Nationals in Dayton, Ohio is is just absolute heaven for Pontiac nuts. And, uh, you know, those those are some of the bigger, bigger national events. But there's all kinds of regional shows. Um, but to get back to your question, uh, I do have to tip my hat also to Jim Madison, who is the president and founder of, of PHS Online. Uh, Jim... Jim was given the opportunity to archive uh, several decades' worth of Pontiac production records beginning in the late 50s and going up, I believe, the cutoff year is 1986. Uh, but, uh, but Jim has archived all of the Pontiac factory uh, invoices for every Pontiac produced, like I said, from the late 50s to the early 80s. And if you're looking at a Pontiac, either at an auction or online, and it says PHS Documents, uh, you know, that's almost a, a requirement if you're selling a, a vintage Pontiac because that's the car's pedigree. Those, that's the actual factory invoice stating original color, option, model, you know, every, you know all that with a dealer where it was delivered. So it really, really tells the provenance of each car. And that's pretty unique in, in the automotive hobby, uh, you know, pretty much among any brand. Okay. Scott, we are up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show this afternoon. And uh, I definitely want to have you on again sometime. Let's talk some more about this stuff. We'll go into some car-specific stuff. In fact, what I'm going to do is maybe have Don come live in the studio. We'll do a three-way. How about that? Would would love that. I always, always love catching up with Don. We don't talk nearly enough. Okay. Hey, I want to thank my special guest this evening, Scott Shield, writer for Smoke Signals and Poncho Perfection and Pontiac Historian. Scott, take care. We will see you at some of the car shows. In the meantime, I want to tell all my listeners, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network here in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget, if you missed any of our past shows, tell your friends. Nostalgic Radio Cars archived. Alan, thanks for hanging out with us. Okay. This weekend, car shows, Speed Culture, Tampa Bay British Car Show, Vortex. In the meantime, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Listen.